Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bar Fights. My name is Sarah Klein. And for those who don't know me, I am an attorney, an advocate at Manley, Stewart, and Finaldi, the nation's leading law firm for sexual abuse cases. I am also a former competitive gymnast and one of the first known victims of former Olympic women's gymnastics team doctor, Larry Nasser. Each week here on Bar Fights, we are talking about the issues that matter with tons of great experts and cool people. And so before we jump in today and meet our rock star, badass guest, I just want to thank our listeners so much for loving this show. We're getting so many awesome responses. I'm hearing from people all over the place, not just survivors, but parents, teachers, coaches, lawmakers who really want to see things change and who really want to do better. And that is why we are doing the show. That was my intention from the beginning, to be here to inform our listeners and to inspire our listeners. And in the meantime, we're having a lot of fun doing it. So I get to introduce you, the listeners, to someone I adore, someone I work with, who is a partner at Manley, Stewart, and Finaldi. Um, again, that's a law firm where I work. And he's been doing this work for a long time, way longer than I have been. And I've learned so much from him. You might recognize his name from this huge case he recently settled that was all over the news. It was in the New York Times. It was on ESPN. It was on ABC News. It was everywhere. Um, and we're going to hear more about that case later in the show today. Um, Morgan is based in California, but this guy has more bar licenses than, than I can even count. He's licensed in Texas, New York, Arizona. Um, the better question, I think, is where is he not licensed? Um, and what we do at our firm and Morgan's practice, we focus exclusively on representing survivors of childhood sexual abuse in civil claims against perpetrators and against established organizations um, and their failure to properly and adequately train, hire, supervise these perpetrators. So without further ado, Morgan, welcome to Bar Fights. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Thank you for having me on. It's so awesome to have you on. Um, before we dive into all the amazing successes you have had, I would love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Um, how you got interested in doing this kind of work, um, how long you've been doing it. Give, you, give us a little context in terms of how does a lawyer 
end up doing what we do. Did you go to law school with this in mind? Did you happen upon it later in life? How did you end up in the position you're at um, as a partner at this firm? It's it's maybe an interesting story to me, maybe not to your listeners, but we'll I'll go over it briefly. So yeah, I I um, I didn't go to law school for uh, type of work that I ended up doing. Um, I really went to law school uh, because I had a great father-in-law who uh, who got me interested in the law, and and um, he. He did uh, defense work for many years, and you know, I, I kind of learned that. But I really blame everything on John Manley. Uh, <laughs> it, it, we you know, all do. <laughs> yes, we all do. Um, I grew up with John. Uh, he was one of my brother's older brother's best friends, and and um, I was working in a firm in L.A. and looking to move back to Orange County, and John offered me a job, and that's kind of where it all. I, where where I landed uh, 20 plus years ago. Oh man, it's 20 plus years now. Um, and we, him and I, and, you know, we, we we worked one of the earliest cases with the largest settlements uh, against the Diocese of Orange way back in what 2002, 2003. And when I joined the firm, we were largely a a real estate firm. Um, the 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 in the years following uh, that first case, uh, uh, which involved Monsignor Harris, and and um, we got a very large settlement, and the cases just you know started to to come in the in the years after I think two thousand two two thousand three um, the uh, Orange County bankruptcy cases and then we you know we we kind of grew those and I I continued to work mostly real estate for a long time because that was we were we were pretty split down the middle of we 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 started to see this just enormous outgrowth of that original case with sexual abuse cases and um but we still had we still had a bunch of real estate clients at the same time. Uh, we, about five, six years ago, we largely shut down any uh, real estate practice because we just, the, the, the work wasn't ending, which is a really sad, sad state of affairs to say, not only is it not ending, it just gets larger and larger each year. Uh, and, and, and doesn't seem, you know, nobody, nobody seems to in, in a church or school or Olympic organization or, you know, nobody seems to have figured out the right steps to fix this problem. And, and it's, it's, it's just frightening. Um, so Yeah. yeah, that's, 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 the, the background. I, I so yeah. I blame it all on John Manley. Yeah. For bottom me, line, you know, it's job. John Manley's fault. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, that's something you hear around our office on a regular basis, right? <laughs> yes, um, exactly. So, so why do you think? 
you mentioned like we're incredibly busy. This work never ends. And and I feel like in the last several years, it's gotten busier and busier. Do you think that's because survivors are feeling more, more comfortable coming out, less shame, the Me Too movement? Or do you think this per- pervasive sort of global health crisis that is sexual abuse is just way bigger and runs way deeper than we've even wrapped our minds around? Or is it both? I think it's both. I, I do. I think the, you know, the, the law uh, in California changing, the law in other states changing and allowing older cases. I think these, these, you know, we've got to we got a set of cases out of Redlands where they, the kids are all in their early thirties and they basically given up on uh, seeking justice because they thought, well, you know, it's such a long time ago. And I think we've, so what I think we've seen is that survivors are empowered to come forward. Uh, you, you mentioned the, the USA water polo cases and you know, the, those, those girls are incredibly brave to have spoken up and, and, you know, as, as sort of an aside, the reason they came forward wasn't for themselves, but because they had younger sisters and, and siblings that were going to come up in the program and they were terrified that that coach was going to do the same thing to their kid, their, their siblings that happened to them. So that's why they came forward. They, you know, they didn't do it for their own benefit. They did it for the other, for, for others, uh, yeah. They didn't want it to. They didn't want it to happen to others, uh, and they came forward, you know, for a criminal prosecution that that morphed into a civil prosecution. But I, I think there is a more widespread knowledge that there, you know, there is recourse for survivors. And, but also, I, I I think there's there's been a you know a cultural shift that recognizes the the voices of these survivors isn't isn't to be discounted isn't to be ignored it's it it really to be encouraged to come forward yeah i totally agree and i relate i relate to that thinking about my two little girls and God forbid them ever saying, I want to participate in gymnastics or water polo or cheer, right? Like having the courage to come forward in the way that your clients in water polo did sort of changes the landscape in a way we hope for, for future generations. Um, speaking of your water polo case, um, it was all over the news, huge settlement, $14 million for 12 water polo players. And, um, and that's an amazing, amazing outcome. Congratulations to you, Morgan, and to your team who worked so hard on that. Can you, can you give us sort of a synopsis of that case? And the reason I ask is because I think it's, it's sort of thematic in the way that we see a coach or someone in a position of authority abusing that power and then the organizations having a particular response. Can you kind of walk us through what that case was about and how you were able to obtain such an awesome result. Yeah, I mean the the, the case involves a longtime coach by the name of Brom Hojre. He he'd he'd been in the Orange County circles for so for many years. Uh he was known um to be particularly 
abusive from a emotional standpoint and, and and in some cases a physical standpoint and and which obviously crossed into a sexual standpoint as well the he he, he has what i will call an an oversized gigantic ego uh, he 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 claims to have gotten players into the olympics but i don't know whether or not that's true he, he referred to himself as a water polo god demanded ultimately control of every aspect of of his players lives he would text them email them on a daily basis ask them extremely personal questions uh about what was going on try to get into their you know their relate other relationships with um boys and really it, it's a classic case of what we know to be grooming um and ultimately, what he would tell them is, you've got to follow every rule that I give you, regardless of what I tell you to do or what I do to you. You've got to follow it because I'm going to get you into college, and then you're going to go on from college to play in the Olympics. And, you know, that that's – but only if you listen to me. And because, I, you know, if you don't listen to me, I'm, I'm not going to give you the endorsements, and I'm not going to help you get into college, and I'm not going to help you get to the Olympics. And some of these girls uh, are – fantastic water polo players that that I have no doubt you know with continue on could go into the Olympics if they if they so chose um so you know his his grooming developed over time but there were a lot of signs to it uh that that occurred over his coaching stints at at um, various high schools and then he formed his own club team. And this is really where the settlement out arose out of with respect to USA water polo and his club team. His club team was called international water polo. And while he had minimal supervision at his high school locations, uh, within Irvine unified school district and Anaheim union high school district, he had no supervision whatsoever once he formed a club team, uh, nobody was watching over him. And that's that's really the the problem I foresee with NGBs in general uh, that allow club teams to form, allow gymnastics clubs to form, or water polo clubs to form, or soccer clubs to form. Whatever they are, essentially they're what I would I like to term as money making operations. They're you know they, the, the USA Water Polo uh, collects money from the clubs puts on tournaments, but then basically says, we're not going to really check on you. We're not going to, you know, we might run a background check, but we're not going to supervise you. We're not going to impose rules or policies or are too deep, you know, leadership, or we're not going to check these things, but we're going to collect money from you. And we're going to, you know, you're going to be quote unquote sanctioned by us. Uh, And that's, that's really the failings that, as as a NGB and and all these NGBs I see uh, have with the way they allow these clubs to to form and, and and I don't have a solution to it but I see it as a significant huge problem that's going to continue and then what we found with respect to uh, USA Water Polo in particular is there were allegations. Uh, a, about halfway through his club 
team that he was teaching these players to sexually assault other players, and that was part of his his ruse to get him, to allow them to him to sexually assault them. He would tell them, "You're going to have to learn to do this to other players." He'd get into the pool with them. He'd pull their bathing suits aside and grab their genitals uh, and tell them, "This is this is you got to get used to this. This is how it's going to happen in college." And no, universally, everybody says never happens at college. But he would tell that would be the ruse. And then the, yeah. some of the girls went to tournaments and did this to other girls, and the other girls filed complaints. And amongst those complaints was allegations that he was teaching the girls to do this. Yeah. And, and USA Water Polo turned around and reported it to Safe Sport, but didn't make their mandated report to law enforcement. So he didn't get removed. Nobody investigated him until six months later, and the girls sat down and went, this is happening to me. I don't want it to happen to my my little sister or your little sister or the next little girl that comes along. And that, yep. that's really what prompted it, it from a standpoint of, the, I don't think the model of the NGBs are sustainable because this is going to happen. And, you know, we've seen it in, in swimming. We've seen it in soccer. We've seen it in, in water polo, we've seen it massively in, in gymnastics, and it's, I don't think it's sustainable for, from a USOC standpoint to allow these club teams to operate without any supervision and safe sport, you know, good or bad, however you look at them, they're not going to solve the issue. Yep. Yeah. They don't have an incentive to solve the issue, <laughs> right? Because, exactly. Because of who's paying them and and who who has an interest in them sort of not resolving these claims. You said a couple things that that really stood out, and I think our listeners um, will will appreciate because I want I want listeners to be able to take action items or to take to take sort of doable things from the show that they can bring to their communities and their jobs. This idea of perpetrators having the God complex, right? The having this control over their victims, that concept of grooming, um, which means they create this sort of bond with their victims. They're, they're in their heads. They're, you know, giving gifts or controlling them in some way. Those are big red flags, um, I, I make I make sort of a joke about the fact that that perpetrators are always on the school board, right? Larry Nasser on the school board, another physician pedophile um, a, a case that we have in Pennsylvania. The guys on the school board, they're always sort of the church going, um, you know, grooming, paying attention to your child in a way that really. No other adult should be <laughs> more than the parent, right? So when we see this weird dynamic in a, of an adult being more interested in our child's life than, than you know, we are, that's a red flag. Um, in terms of these, these organizations, man, oh, man, you know, you talked about just this universal universal theme of failing um, that I think we talked about it being within sport, but we see it within the church. We see it within schools. We see it within, you know, all these Boys and Girls Club, Boy Scouts of America. Um, what do you think? I mean, this is the million dollar, maybe billion dollar question, Morgan. What, what do we... 
what can we do about it? What, where do we start? What, what can, what can our listeners take away from that? What, what, what advice do you have as a parent and as a lawyer who sees this every day? What do we do? You know, and it's a question I, I, over 10, 20 years, I've thought about what, you know, how do you, how do you solve this issue? And, and it's almost in every case, it's, you find that there are red flags. There are the indications, there are the grooming, there are the responsibility, you know, the, the, the indications that you should watch out for this person. And, and I always tell, and it actually pains me a little bit if to say, if you, you know, if I go walk into my children's school, I want to know who the, the, who the favorite teacher is, because that's the teacher I worry the most about. Oh, that is the one, wow. it, it, which is, is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to say and think, but it, 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 grow, it grows out of, you know, the, the, the knowledge of how these perpetrators operate. I always look for who's the favorite administrator, who's the favorite teacher, it, and, and, and that's the one that I'm the most concerned about um, because that's the one that's the students like that's the one that the students gravitate to there are always signs there are always indications and you you know we've talked about my barstow cases that we had 20 years of of signs bright red flagging flags uh, even one of their their teachers talked about the red flags for 10 plus years or 20 years actually 20 years on this teacher but nobody took action and so the you know the billion dollar question is how do we solve that and the way we solve it in every, in my view, is to start holding not just the organizations accountable, but the administration accountable. Start removing those people, start charging them with crimes, because we are, we, we are grossly, grossly undercharging people who, who failed and administrators and who failed start charging the superintendent of school districts or the principal of a, of a school with a crime. It will stop because they're, they're well, it won't a hundred percent stop, but it, it, you, you will guarantee as soon as a principal ends up in, in a, you know, a state prison or a jail, for it's time for failure to take action against a a um, teacher who's abusing or a you know a pastor or you know whoever it is if they they end up in jail those other people are going to finally take notice and realize I don't want to go to I'm not going to go to jail for my friend over here I'm going to report him oh, him or her and I'm going to you know let the 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 uh, chips fall where they they may. I I think that's the way out. I think that's the way to resolve it because if you're in a school environment, let's say you're a a principal and you know you know enough that there's red flags about a teacher, but you're saying, ah, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to mandatorily report. Maybe I don't mandatorily report. I'm not going to worry about going to jail. And maybe something happens down the road where my joint powers this administration or my insurer has to pay money didn't come out of my pocket it didn't you know i still got my job i'm i'm protected by the union we need stronger laws 
and we need yeah. enforcement of those laws. I mean, yeah. I, 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 t- I took the deposition of a, de- a excellent detective in our Barstow case who testified last week that she determined, in her view, there were four principals and administrators, at least. I think she actually may be named five or six, who failed to mandatorily report. Who didn't, why didn't they, you know, why aren't they being prosecuted? Because that wasn't the scope of her investigation. That wasn't the scope of of what she needed to do. And and everything was sent to the DA. And I'm like, that is the problem. If you've got, you got four or five or six administrators that failed to mandatorily report, those people shouldn't, one, be holding their jobs still because they are. And, And if they are, then why aren't we holding the the school board responsible or the, you know, the, the, the administration responsible, you know, why in, in USA water polo, why is the CEO still holding his job? Why is the board still, still there? Why are those people still in power when they allowed this to happen under their watch? And until we do something about that, doesn't matter what you what policies and rules you put into place. It's not going to fix it until the people who are in charge feel at risk and yep. they don't feel at risk. Yep, exactly. Consequences, right? Consequences yeah. for bad behavior, consequences for lying, consequences for covering up, right? My five-year-old has more consequences in a day than, than these people have ever, Right. Exactly. It's, it's I mean, crazy. why do I create consequences for my kids? But you yeah. but, you know, you don't have any consequences when you when you allow a, a, you know, 14 year old to be sexually abused for two years because you didn't take the the action that you were required to under the law. Yep. Yep. Morgan Stewart for president. That's I think we just I think we just sort of settled it. Um, Morgan needs to run the show. Um, and in terms of getting laws changed, and then we'll wrap up here, you know, I work hard on, on statute of limitations stuff. Um, in terms of getting those kinds of laws changed, what advice would you give to a a listener right now? Who's a teacher or, um, a stay at home mom or somebody who's listening from their home right now that wants to take action to do something is the right answer to reach out to their lawmakers. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I think it, what's that line from the Lorax until, you know, I don't I, now my kids are too old. I haven't read the Lorax in years <laughs> until some and it, it, it go along the lines of, you know, if, if nobody does something, then nothing's going to change. Um, yeah. You know, until one person speaks up and says, I'm not going to allow this to happen in the environment I'm in. Nothing's going to change, and and uh, your kids are younger, so you'll remember the story. But yeah. but uh, I, it, I I think the the answer is stop stop high you know stop allowing this to happen on your campuses. There are brave brave teachers, brave administrators, brave uh, individuals of churches who are willing to come forward and say, I'm not going to to allow this and 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 here's the problem uh it's not like we hide you know as attorneys we hide the ball of what the problems are they they, they are fixable problems uh, to an extent uh, and it's really on the end of the lawmakers that need to make the change the changes yep. that that fit this 
Yep. Yep. So that, that takeaway is anybody listening to this, you can do your part. Every voice matters. Every voice counts. Trust me. I, I did knew nothing about law making and, or lobbying or any of this until, um, until, the last several years going through my own civil case with Larry Nasser and the Olympic Committee and USA Gymnastics. And what I've learned is the power of a story, the power of a voice. That's how we can get laws changed. That's how we can connect to other survivors who have gone through this and all of us together can hopefully leave the world a better place than how we found it. And what I'm taking away from this episode today is that there are real life superheroes like attorney Morgan Stewart, who gets up every single day and dedicates his life to this issue. That's not always fun to talk about. It's, it's not easy. Um, in fact, it's really difficult stuff, but there are people who are dedicating their lives, um, to their clients, to survivors, um, and, and to fighting what we call in our office, the bad guys. So I want to thank you so much, Morgan. It's an honor to have you. Um, And if anybody listening wants to get in touch with Morgan Stewart, you can reach him on www.manly, M-A-N-L-Y, Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T.com. Morgan Stewart, thank you so much for being on Bar Fights. Uh, Thank you, Sarah. I greatly appreciate it. And if anybody out there is a survivor, reach out to us. We're here. Um, We've got you. We believe you. This was not your fault. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, this is Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com. Instagram at barfightspodcast or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.